Just like these healers, some of you have been trained to shelf your emotions. You bottle up your feelings and place them on a high shelf. Then you leave them there as if they don't exist, but they do. Shelved emotions are the rawest kind. They are not tempted by exposure and are easily bruised on contact. Some contact becomes the enemy and we can coon in our isolation. We limit the ability to use our emotions for our own healing. Emotions are powerful. They can override thoughts, influence our relationships, and transform our behavior. They empower us to understand ourselves and overcome challenges. Emotions are to be explored, encountered, and enjoyed. They were never meant to be bottled up. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. I am so happy you have found your way right here today. We are in a brand new season, season four, and we're in a brand new series, Becoming Stronger Every Day. And as I promised, I have a very, very special guest with us today. You are going to just be so empowered and so enriched, and her message is one for today. I want to welcome Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith to the podcast. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician, work-life integration researcher. I know there's many of you out there so excited right now, and the author of the successful book, Sacred Rest. She shows high achievers how to optimize their time and effort without sacrificing their happiness and relationships, both personally and professionally. Sandra has spent 20 years in clinical practice after receiving her BS in biochemistry at the University of Georgia and graduated with honors from Meharry Medical College in Nashville. She's been an adjunct faculty member at Baker College and Davenport University in Michigan, teaching courses on health, nutrition, and disease progression. And now she shares her insights on stages worldwide, helping leaders and teams thrive. Welcome. Welcome, Sandra. I'm so happy to have you here. I could just bubble over. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Yes, I'm so thankful. You just read from a very important chapter in the book on emotional rest. And you tell us there are seven types of rest. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what those are off the top? Or <laughs> Yes. So the seven types are the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, and sensory and creative types of rest. Yes. And so today I wanted to really hone in because our Stronger Everyday community is committed to something that we refer to as the three-fold cord of emotional health and mental fitness. And that's a healthy sense of self. That's that secure identity, secure attachment, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. And so a fundamental part of that is emotions. Mm -hmm. And so finding our way to emotional rest is really challenging 
and even more so now. So I, I wonder, I'm just so curious, since writing Sacred Rest, I almost feel like you were a prophetess <laughs> calling and, and calling us, you know, to this place because a global pandemic was going to descend upon us. So as a medical doctor, I know you first and foremost understand the gravity of that situation. In light of all this, how did all of the research and study and experience in the medical field and in writing Sacred Rest, how did that prepare you for this global pandemic? And what might you be able, oh man, to share with us today? Because I know we've got some out of balance work life stuff going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it, it definitely did help to prepare not only myself, but I feel like a lot of people for this pandemic when it hit, because I think many of us were tired before we got to the pandemic. We were already exhausted in our lives. And I find it very interesting that even in the situation where most people were home all day, it's not like you got tired and something forced you out of your house and you had to be at work for 12 hours. People were getting exhausted and burned out in their homes. Right. And so I think that's when it really hit on people because even those who for themselves were like, well, I'm not burned out. I, you know, I, I manage rest and stress and all those things very well that when you're in your home, which retirement, people saying they want a job where they work from home, when that happened and they were still exhausted, I think the bells and whistles kind of went off like there's something more to this restoration and rest that is needed that isn't just about being home or you know, right. having that kind of everything in a close location. That's not necessarily restful. People started to reevaluate what does rest really mean? Yeah, what does it mean, Sandra? Or shall I call well, you? I think from <laughs> no, you're good. I think for most people, it's an understanding that rest is really about restoration. What are you doing to restore the places of your life where you pour out? Stopping and just being still and the cessation of activity and sleeping, those things can be a part of that, but that does that is not the summation of what rest is. And I think for a lot of people, that had been how they were looking at it is if I get enough sleep, then I'll feel rested in the morning. What happens when you get the eight hours and you're still tired? Or, you know, when I retire, then I'll feel rested. I'll be home all the time. What happens when you're home all the time and you're still exhausted? Yeah, you have you, to start looking at what is the real issue. <laughs> yeah, you talk about that in Sacred Rest. And that's what I love so much that you clarify. Because in my last book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, I have a chapter in there on rest. Mm -hmm. But I took it from the angle, from the Greek, that it meant anapairo, which means to recover or collect strength. That really did a shift in my brain mm -hmm. that I need to go out and collect strength, like you just said, a restorative process. And so you address the things that we typically mentally would say, I just need a vacation. Can you yeah. <laughs> talk to us about those ideas that we think are rest, but in fact really aren't? Well, I think you hit on the main one is vacations. I think for most people, they think that, okay, well, because what do we tell people when they're about to burn out? Well, take all of your sick leave and use those PTO days and take those vacation times. But for most of us, when we go on vacations, we're not purposely doing restorative activities. Right. Usually we're just having fun with our family in a place away from home. So we're doing stuff that's fun, 
but it's not restorative. And oftentimes it leaves us even more exhausted. So when we leave the vacation, we're more tired. We had fun. We had a great time, (laughs) but we didn't restore. We just kept pouring and pouring and pouring out of our energy without actually being mindful of pouring back in something. So Sandra, in chapter two of Sacred Rest, you share a story from your practice with Mm -hmm. a woman named Karen. And the title of this chapter, I mean, I'm going to just keep saying that you took my breath away a lot in this book, The Secret Life of the Well-Rested. Did you hear that? (laughs) The Secret Life of the Well-Rested. I told Sandra on a little break that to be her Netflix special. It's phenomenal. And she writes a quote in the beginning by Douglas Pagels. I suppose that's how you say it. Sometimes it's important to work for that pot of gold, but other times it's essential to take time off and make sure your most important decision in the day simply consists of choosing which color to slide down on the rainbow. (laughs) fabulous. I just, when I read it, I was sliding down the rain. I'm on, I'm on purple. I'm on purple right now. Okay. So Karen was a new patient who came to your office with a list of complaints so long. I thought she was a hypochondriac. So just a little bit about that visit with Karen, because I relate to her and I think many will relate. Well, yes. I mean, honestly, I singled out one particular person that really (laughs) kind of hit me on that particular time. But, but honestly, she could have been one of a hundred people in any given month who came in with all of these complaints. And the thing that was really distressful, I guess, as a physician is that every time that happened, they wanted the entire battery of tests. And usually they are enough family history and things that tests were needed to some degree. But every time also, I would say 90% of the time, the tests were completely normal. Wow. It wasn't their thyroid, no lab problems, no issues whatsoever. And so then, just as with this case, it's almost like you must think this is in my head. As a physician, it's hard when you can't get a diagnosis for something because it's, you then start wondering, well, is it in their head? Are they right. a hypochondriac? Is there really something bothering them? Mm-hmm. Then I had my own list of complaints. That's when it really kind of really stood out to me where I needed to take a deeper look at this because it's one thing when you're treating someone else. It's another thing when you're experiencing yourself and right. you do your own battery of tests and they're normal and you know that you are tired. You just right. don't know what the problem Something is. Something is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I had that experience. I'm going to interrupt just for one second. I had this experience. I was Karen. For sure. In 1988, I say that's where my personal heart lifting, emotional healing journey really began. I just thought I must be dying. I was very, very thin. I had a two-year-old running around, just was so not well, not well. Mm -hmm. So I went to an internist and to this day, I think he was an angel and I call it Black Tuesday back then because it was just, it was the worst and the best day of my life. Because when I walked in his, his examination room, he said, well, have a seat. We're going to meet my office first before I examine you. I really just want to ask you a few questions. And he says, so just tell me about your family. Why is he asking me that? He should be doing <laughs> blood test. <laughs> two hours later, two hours later, he handed me a prescription to take 
six months off from all leadership, six months off from everything but taking care of my house and my little girl and my husband and myself and to sit in a chair and do nothing for 15 minutes mm-hmm. every day. I like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> and begin writing. I want you to write in a journal and see what comes up and do things you've never given yourself permission to do. Well, I went and got a perm because my mom never let me perm my hair. I planted 5,000 geraniums because I wanted to live in Europe and have window boxes with geraniums. So that moment with Karen had to be so pivotal. And how did you get her to the realization that she actually, the quote that stuck out to me was shelved emotions are the rawest kind. And what you read in the very beginning, you you actually spoke those words before a medical conference for women. The words that we heard in the very beginning of the podcast today were not meant to bottle up our emotions. So how did you come to bring Karen to an understanding that she needed some emotional rest or needed perhaps a couple other types of rest? Yes. Well, that's exactly the same process that you mentioned with the physician you had. We went through the test results. We sat down together. And then when I told her that everything's great, you know, know, what your issue is, isn't something that I can just give you a pill for. And I think that was the first step is just getting her to understand that there's treatments that don't come in a bottle that are more powerful. One of the statements I mentioned is that rest is the most underused, chemical-free, effective treatment plans out there. But the thing is- Wow, Sandra, say that again. Say that again. You must (laughs) say that again if you can remember. Oh, there's an actual quote in the book, which is probably killing, but it's around the lines of rest is the most underused, chemical-free, and potent treatment out there. The thing is, most of us, when we come to a physician or therapist or anyone, and we're wanting healing- we always think that the pill is going to give us the quickest fix. Yes. And sometimes we don't realize that the really the quickest fix is to get that restoration that you're, you talked about, that pouring mm-hmm. back into. Because right. if something feels empty, when you start pouring into it, you don't have to get it full for it to start feeling better. Yes, like a sponge, right? A dry yeah. sponge. It just takes and that's a, what I think yeah. she needed to understand. Once she got to the point where she was like, okay, I'm going to try one of these. For her, it wasn't just one type of rest she was deficient in. It was like four or five of them. Wow. I mean, she was burning the candle at all ends. Mm-hmm. But, and so that would be showing in her body because the body keeps the score. Is that right? That was Well, it was showing in many ways. Her list okay. of complaints included things like body aches and pains, getting sick more than others, so a weakened right. immune system, difficulty concentrating, which is mm-hmm. basically a sign that your mind is not at rest. It can't, yeah. it can't focus. So it's kind of just jumping around um, and multitasking when it's not supposed to. Feeling distant from family and friends. Mm. um, Feeling distant from God. I mean, there were so many different complaints. And the one she brought to me were things that were specifically related to kind of her body. But then as I start asking her questions, those are the things that start coming out. Yeah. Why do you think we do that? I mean, is it just high achievers? Is it, what is it about? Is it our culture, all the above? What is your feeling, your impression, having been in that room with so many people that have faced this dire need for true restoration? I think it's a a lot of those things, definitely. I think for a lot of people who are high achievers, they 
put more importance on the productivity than they do on how they get the productivity. So it's like, I'm successful, but yeah, I hate my life. Is that really success? (laughs) If you are not happy and you don't even enjoy the process. So, you know, I think that's part of it. I think a big part of it is society. Mm -hmm. We kind of put an emphasis on the work and not so much on the rest part of it. Or when we do start discussing the rest, we kind of get out of balance with it. It's like, well, I'm not going to do any work. I'm just going to you know, lie around all day. And, and that's not really what this is about either. They're both important. The work is important. The rest is important. They actually mm-hmm. help each other to stay in a healthy place. Uh, I think a big part of it is about how our upbringing. Oh, perfect. Some people rest yes. better than others yes. because they have been almost like train a child in the way they will go. Mm-hmm. I, I think some people were trained that it's okay to take some downtime and others weren't. If you grew up with a family where everybody worked, worked, work, and if they saw somebody resting, it's like, don't be lazy like Cousin Joe, who sits right. around the house all day and plants flowers, you know, that's going to yes. mess with your mindset. If it you're is. hearing that. <laughs> it totally is going to make you feel like a slacker. Yeah. And so sure. then if you get creative rest from being outdoors, planting flowers, that's me, but your mental, your mental naggy person is saying, you're a slacker, just like cousin Joe or whoever, Right. then you're going to have an unnecessary fight every time you try to get the rest that you're needing. Oh my gosh. I love that wordage. An unnecessary fight. It's like something you need. You need it. Without a doubt. Yeah. You need it. You know, it actually is beneficial to you because that's how you experience, let's say, creative rest outdoors with nature, hands in the dirt. But now you have that unnecessary fight from the past words from other people who are still playing on repeat in your head when you try to get the rest that you need. Oh my goodness. I want to just pause there for a moment and give you guys time to just let Sandra's words about the unnecessary energy being spent on what I would say a battle between human doing and human being. And just take a moment here because A lot of the work that we do here in this community is about really becoming aware of those feedback loops in our neural pathways, in our mind. And then now I want you to think of maybe a negative one, just for a second, that maybe when you do sit down to rest or read a book or I created this whole space behind me, you can't see it on the podcast, but if you watch on YouTube, I call it my breathing room. It's also my therapy room when I'm not doing virtual, but I created it for myself, a space in my home where I can take that doctor's advice still today to sit for 15 minutes and do nothing because that was 1988. It is now 2021 and it's still not an easy thing for me to do. So I also, when I was raising my kids, somehow had the epiphany, I don't know how, Sandra, (laughs) to create a time we homeschooled. I chose to do it. I wasn't forced to do it. And give them 30 minutes of silence a day. And I took that from Revelations 8.1. I really don't remember where that epiphany came, how, why, when, where. We were together all the time. We called it too much bonding, TMB. (laughs) And so thankfully they each had their own room and we were grateful for that. So we would all after lunch, just go to our spaces and be quiet. They could play, put Legos together, read a book, do whatever. Mm -hmm. I would lay down (laughs) 
or do something. But at the time, I didn't realize what that was actually doing to my nervous system, for sure, having been raised in an alcoholic home, hypervigilant nervous system. But to theirs, it was training them, right, in how to be a human being. And I'm so grateful because that was totally just a leading by my sweet Heavenly Father at the time. I didn't really know what I know now. But now today, that's in their possession. Mm -hmm. So mamas, papas, anyone out there listening who is at home 24 hours a day, you got too much bonding going on. Let's really perhaps begin today with thinking of a way that we can integrate some true sacred rest into our family's day, especially within those sweet little bodies of these children we're forming that they will not hear Uncle Joe's voice or a negative feedback loop when they're adults that, and that's a shaming voice to me. It is. Shaming voice. So thank you for that. That was, that was a holy moment. I feel, I feel (laughs) like for someone's going to get a real aha today and many homes are going to begin to introduce sacred rest into their daily routine. And as a result, we're going to have a lot more human beingness. And then as a result of that, a whole lot more peace and calm. I, I've been saying lately, calm is highly underrated. <laughs> <laughs> highly underrated. And so, okay, Sandra, back to your book, Sacred Rest. I want to talk about make a heart choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all about the heart here. I'm all about heart lifting. And so you made me smile once again when I read this. And if you're listening and you happen to have a copy of Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith's book, Sacred Rest, it's page 193. So do you want to read them, Sandra, or I can read them? Page 193, 194 just says, I'll start reading while you're finding the list. The ability to rest boils down to the condition of your heart. Well, you are speaking our language here. Can you trust God to supply while you rest? Okay, lean in. This is our lean in moment today. Can you trust God to supply while you rest? If you give up time for intentional rest, will you still be able to do, have, be, and own all that you desire. Rest is a heart choice. Yeah, I'm going to repeat that. You knew I would. Rest is a heart choice. Life and death. Blessings and cursing are daily set before you. You can choose to stay bound by your day planner and calendar, or you can declare freedom from the bondage of your hectic schedules. Even in COVID, Sandra, this is what flips me out, is that even forced to be home, we're still running around as as frantic as ever because what would you say to that? And then we'll get back to that. But I have my opinion, but I'd like to hear yours. Why why is that? Because we don't know what to do with the freedom to rest, the freedom to actually make those heart choices. Most of us have gotten kind of into a habit of hurry. When even given the ability to rest, our habit to hurry is the habit that we run to. Oh, that's so good. So many pauses here. (laughs) The habit to hurry. Yeah. So therefore, 
making a real solid choice to implement and mm-hmm. integrate moments of rest. Even when I started this, I had a timer, an old kitchen timer. I put it at one minute because I couldn't even sit still for 30 seconds. I couldn't do it. My mind. And, and what happens when you get still? Well, I think for many of us, when we get still, you actually start being able to see more clearly. It's almost like things are un- unraveled to you. They're revealed to you. It's interesting because one of the things that I have two teen boys, and so it's yes. constantly trying to train them to not stay in the habit of hurry because, you know, they have their schedules and all their stuff. And I know sometimes when we sit down for dinner, they're like, they're woofing the food down. Yes. It's like, I don't even know if they taste it. I mean, it's like yeah. shoveling it in their mouth. And my husband and I, I eat very slow mm-hmm. because I actually like to enjoy the company and take my time and talk the whole thing at the mealtime. Some and mindful so, eating, some sober yes, mesa, we say. Very, yeah. very kind of deliberate. And so my husband has gotten in the habit of the boys kind of woof theirs down in like one minute. He's like, you know, your mama needs her dinner time. So you're going to have to sit here, whether you eat it fast or slow. <laughs> I love it. Mama needs her dinner time. There you go. That's another one. Fast or slow. You're going to have to sit there for another five minutes anyway. <laughs> well, just the fact that you sit down to eat dinner together. That's amazing. <laughs> true. True. That's, that's that's very true. That's mindful in itself. That just isn't happening. It's not even happening during this global pandemic. Whew. That's so good. Okay. I'm going to keep going. You can choose to stay bound. Okay. You rest your heart when you decontaminate the clogged vessels of your spirit by regularly choosing your personal best option over a quick option with fleeting benefits. When you search your heart, that's us, man. That is the heart lifting community. When you search your heart for what really matters, your heart can rest in the knowledge it is well with your soul. So Sandra, you offer these beautiful directives for making a heart choice. Would you read those for us? Yes, it's just a collection of choices that you get to make. Live in the present or live for the future. Live life on purpose or wandering through your life haphazardly. Believe in the power of hope or drown in the feelings of hopelessness. Receive help when needed or become overwhelmed by responsibilities. Adapt to change or push yourself to the breaking point. Forgive or allow hate and resentment to consume you. Love with an open heart or stay isolated behind your walls. Grow in faith or stay rooted in fear. Release the pain of the past or hold on to your wounds. Embrace the promise of tomorrow or relent to anxiety about the unknowns. Accept the gift of rest or cling to the ashes of your burned out life. What heart choices do you need to make to live a well-rested life? And each one of these is such a topic that we dig deep to all the time in Stronger Every Day. And in my new book, actually take it a step further and we'll give these tools that will help people. Like I, I look at love with an open heart or stay isolated behind your walls. I had no idea how to do that. That's why I wanted you here because I feel like there's such an integration between what the work that you do medically and the work that I do mentally with my clients. You know, it's just a beautiful integration, spirit, soul, and body. And to forgive or allow hate and resentment to consume you. I just got off uh, from a client call. This man had severe childhood trauma. So to everyone listening, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. When you've had childhood trauma, little T, middle T, big T, You don't even know 
why you can't do these things. So we have to take some steps back, look at your history of hurts. We have to go in and try to clear out those neural pathways where all of that pain is lodged. And so that's a lot of kind of what you were leading Karen to do as well was to Mm -hmm. just take the time. So I know when I was given that prescription to get out of all my leadership roles, which were a lot at that time, which is because I'm just a type A, uh, I was a very unhealthy type A, let's put it that way, trying to fill my identity, right? Mm -hmm. Find my identity. I can understand that. That's how I was. Yep. (laughs) All these disordered attachments that I just needed to have that applause for. But I remember when I got quiet and I sat in the chair, I can see it right now. I just, all of the things came bubbling up in my head that I needed to attend to. Like the hate for my father, Mm -hmm. the wounds of my childhood. And that's why we don't want to be still. But we have help for you. We are not going to just leave you hanging in a lazy boy chair with a million (laughs) thoughts going around. How do I help myself? We have help and we have hope. Sandra, I cannot even tell you how much that I love that you compare emotions to an infection. How relevant. See, I feel like you were just this prophetess (laughs) talking to us a few years ago to prepare for such a time as this. What was your comparison there? Emotions and infections. Well, when I was looking at some of the research, it was just really interesting about how when we surround ourselves with people who are kind of spewing these negative emotions and spending an excessive amount of time in that atmosphere, that you start acting the same way. Really, for me, it's almost like a contagion. You know, like like you said, right now, it's, it's even more obvious. But I mean, if even if we took COVID or the flu or any other type of virus that's out there, if I put someone in a room where there's one negative person uh-huh. uh, or in a room with one person with COVID by comparison, then the people on the other side of the room are probably not going to get exposed to that and not going to have that negative atmosphere that they're experiencing. However, when the inoculum or the number of people in the room who have the disease are there, then more people are affected and the entire atmosphere of the room changes. And that's really how emotions work. They do. Get a bunch of people in the room who are happy. Even the people who are sad start smiling. They don't even know why they're smiling. You know, they'll find themselves laughing at something. You get a room where most of the people are negative and upset. Everybody in the room. That's why riots can break out so easily when we are not aware who we're around. Or you can start seeing, you know, you can go to a situation where, thank God we're past the political stuff, but you can go to a situation where it was political and you went there maybe with one intention, but you just take a couple of people with a bad intention can turn the whole thing around. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to be aware that emotions are contagious. Yeah, that's the key. And you, once again... You just brought to the table the most important thing is awareness. And we always say in this community, awareness is a dangerous thing because once you are aware, you're accountable. Yeah. So let me read this beautiful paragraph that you wrote on page 58 in Sacred Rest. Emotions are similar to infections. And I might repeat some things that Sandra said, but repetition is one of the laws of the learner. So emotions are similar to infections. They are highly contagious. As you share your emotions, you are also being affected by the emotions of others. And Sandra, I'm a highly empathic, sensitive, intuitive individual. So I've had to learn, really learn how to navigate that, turn down my empathometer, I call it. 
When in proximity to others, emotions will spread. Now with the vast accessibility of the internet, they can spread directly or indirectly. Face-to-face conversations are now less important as text messages, phone calls, Periscope videos, TikTok is now here, Snapchat, Mm -hmm. Facebook posts, tweets, emails. They all give us an opportunity to share our emotions anytime, any day of the day or night, any time of the day or night. We are more emotionally connected to the world than ever before. And because of this fact, we have tapped out our emotional capacity. Okay. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I want to leave us with the idea that you, you talk about this emotional contagion. And I thought well, we're in a stage, a season of whatever of life where there's all kinds of talk about contagion. So why shouldn't we throw out a challenge, Sandra, a challenge to everyone listening to first and foremost, implement some silence, some quiet into your daily life. And you add anytime you want to jump in here, Mm -hmm. begin to integrate into your family system, whether it's you know your mama's going to want her dinner time, so you better eat or chew slowly. If not, you're just going to sit here and whatever you have to do, I would say as the heart lifter in the home, the one in the center of your sphere of influence that is going to begin to make these kind of changes, begin to be aware as well of how you are coming into the room, <laughs> how you are moving through your life. Maybe you're prone a little bit more to Nancy negative. I'm a little bit more prone to Susie make you sick. She is so optimistic, you know? So it's like find your balance and begin to look at how you can add this emotional rest to your life in order to move through your life with more emotional rest. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I think I love that challenge. I think it's a great way for people to start really getting back to the heart of what rest is really about. One of the things I talk about in the book are the gifts of rest. Oh, and I think that's the talk about that. I, I think that's the thing for a lot of people. You know, we talk about the need for rest, but what we don't understand is that in that resting, we get more than just what we are trying to pour back in. It's more than just the place you're restoring. You know, you're able to actually solidify families and relationships and, and able to, you know, as you mentioned, even just us sitting at the dinner table seems like a small thing, Oh no! but it's something that when I, with my kids and they're sharing parts of their life, I know I wouldn't know these things otherwise. And so I think there's just so many other gifts that come out of this challenge that it's a worthy investment for each person to attempt. Oh, I love that you brought that up because it certainly was in my notes. But in part two of Sacred Rest, Sandra offers us, wow, let's see, the gift of boundaries. Oh, you know about that one. The gift of reflection, the gift of freedom, the gift of acceptance, the gift of exchange, the gift of permission. And that is what that doctor actually was giving me to give myself, permission, Mm -hmm to feel like a slacker. I don't know. <laughs> Permission. You know, I remember thinking, wow. And there's another, there's a scripture and then I'll, I'll close this, but there is a scripture that I love so much in Ecclesiastes. And it says one handful of tranquility is better than two handfuls of toil and striving. 
And I remember wrestling with that scripture and saying to God, I had twins. So I've had a twin (laughs) two handful life. It's like, but I can handle two handfuls. Then the question became, why can't I handle two handfuls? When Mm -hmm. God started pulling away a lot of my coping mechanisms and things in my life, I couldn't handle things anymore because I wasn't supposed to be handling two handfuls. So that one handful that's filled with tranquility, some versions say calm, peace, is far better than two handfuls with toiling and striving. And that has been my watchword and my frame for my own emotional rest. Mm -hmm. That even if I'm highly qualified and I can handle a lot and do a lot, well, who do I think I am anyway? I love that gift of permission. Some of you today need to hear Dr. Sandra and She's writing you a prescription to give yourself permission to actually experience the next gift, the gift of cessation, (laughs) the gift of art, the gift of communication, the gift of productivity, the gift of choice, the gift of faith. And she leaves us with, I choose my best life. And that's the name of your podcast, isn't it? It is my podcast, my ministry. It's all based under that. That's the lesson out of all this that I had to learn is that if I could choose, if I could make choices that led to a life that had me burned out, exhausted, and unhappy, then I can also make choices that lead to a life that looked like the John 10, 10 abundant life God says is available to me. And I just got to be willing to make those choices, have the courage to rest when necessary and work when needed and, and understand that both should have a place in my life. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful affirmation for us to begin our emotional contagion challenge is that I choose my best life. So when we wake up in the morning, we're going to all open our hands, our heart, our look up towards heaven and just say, God, I choose my best life. I choose to add to every sphere of influence that I am in. And if I need some help, I'm going to ask for it. Mm -hmm. So true. Sandra, thank you so much. Would you please tell everyone where they can connect with you because I want them to connect with you and I want them to have sacred rest. The book is available wherever books are sold. And the best way to connect with me would be on my website at ichoosemybestlife.com. It's just a joy to go there. I love it. You immediately radiate life. So (laughs) thank you so much. May you be blessed with sacred rest for sharing with all of us here. And I hope to see you again in person very soon. So thank you everyone for being with us today. Wasn't that amazing? I promised you. And we're just so grateful that Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith was able to be with us today and share these pearls of wisdom that when we do bring them and put them in our emotional health toolbox and we begin to practice them, we will live our best life. And that is why God came, why he sent his son for us so that we could live a life that is so filled with abundance and meaning. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.